Blog Talk Radio. Here at ACO Radio, American Communications Online, or any affiliated stations or websites are not responsible for what guests, hosts, or call-ins may say. All programming is intended for informational and entertainment purposes only. Hello, world. This is T.J. Marsh, ET Radio. Welcome aboard, all you ground troops spinning around smartly on the planet. We are in the United States of America, but we welcome everybody from around the world. Tonight is our worldview on our Ace Folklife Historical Society for Art, Culture, Education, Science, Technology, History, Folklife, and everything else it entails. Everybody wants to share their culture, but we're going to share our American culture because right now um, that's the kind of people I'm inviting (laughs) Because they speak English, and I don't speak any other languages, so I'm sorry. So America is the business language, and uh, I love artists and authors, and my husband was an artist and an author, as most of you know, and we started the Ace Folk Life with our brand in 2003, and I miss him so much. And here it is, 2020, coming up Labor Day, when we had our July 4th and then our Labor Day weekend in Ohio County. And um, my mother helped me, and it's just real important to me, my brand for Ace Folk Life, and this sharing all the vendors and all the artists and the singers and the musicians and bluegrass folk and all the people that come out in their campers. I, I miss the bluegrass country in Beaverdam, Ohio County. So everybody up there in Kentucky and Bill Monroe Festival area, God bless you, and we miss y'all. So I hope everything's doing great up in Kentucky. But uh, fortunately for me, uh, my Hawaii people, uh, you know, we have chapters all over in our Ace Folk Life, our UFO Association, our ACO Association. And um, a lady stumbled upon me, uh, which is a story in itself through Robert Butwin on LinkedIn. Robert found me. He's a networker in California, and he says he'll help me. Once a year, show up for an organization meeting for, I guess, all our groups. He didn't say it had to be just ACO, so he supports our ACO association. But uh, he told a lady about me, and her name is Suzanne Wyman Flynn. Now, she is a well-known psychic. That's probably all she's ever done, according to what I understand. But I'm going to let her tell her story tonight. But she married a great artist, Richie Rich is who I call him. Everybody gets a handle around Ace Folk Life. So you'd be thinking of yours if you're not already a friend of mine in social media on Teresa J. Morris or T.J. Morris Agency or we have all kinds out there including Ace Folk Life Ascension Center. But Richie Rich, uh, has uh, his name is Rich Flynn. I'm sure it's Richard, but his friends call him Rich, F-L-Y-N-N. He's an artist, and I've invited him to be a master of ceremonies tonight for Ace Folk Life with his beautiful wife. And they make a beautiful couple, and they've traveled the world here and there, and they've even traveled the United States from New York to California, so coast to coast, doing wonderful parties for people. So I'm going to ask them both to volunteer to be ACO event managers when we get out of this COVID-19 and help us maybe with our 2021 organization with uh, Butwin and me and maybe the lessons maybe out of Hawaii if they want to come over. But we've got things going on right now. And also uh, last night on our UFO Association meeting, 
uh, where we were. I forgot to do the meeting actually. So, uh, but I know it's all okay because uh, Suzanne did agree to help us with our Ace Folk Life as our committee chairperson to help us book people. And last week we tried her out as co-host, admittedly so, to one of her friends, Terrence of Torrance or. Something about Torrance and Terrence, but they can explain that later. Uh, the last, but let me get her and her husband on here. Uh, I don't. I guess I should bring her on since she's officially. I think she's going to accept, folks, uh, at least for the next year. But let's see if she'll be the co-host tonight. Is that Janet? No, this is Suzanne Wyman. Is it Suzanne? TJ, thanks for having me on. Thank you for everything that you do and all your hard work. What a great conversation and American folklore. Um, it was a great conversation last week, and it is interesting to hear people's stories, their personal stories, and how they um, feel about the world. So who who do we have on tonight, Teresa? It's a 714. Is that your husband or your son? Oh, no, that's uh, if it's 714-348-1844, that's Rich Flynn. That would be me. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, he's he's really loyal. Oh, my gosh, this is like his second or third time. Uh, how many nights have you shared with us on Saturday? Is this your second or third? I don't even know, Rich. But you're, I think it's the your second. second. Awesome. You've showed up two times in a row. Wow! Awesome! Wow! I'm a, I love artists, and I'm I've got to see some of your work on the wall. And I guess I'm supposed to have received some. I haven't had time to look yet, but well, we're going to get into letting people see this occasionally weekly. And uh, anyway, we've got to tell people about you guys in California and what Aww. you're all about. But why don't you introduce yourself? And then I think Joe, uh, Suzanne had a gentleman wanting to come on from last night's show, and we'll get him on here, but I've got to call him. So introduce okay. yourself, Rich. I want to hear your intro. My name is Rich Flynn. I'm known as Painter of the Moment. You can see my work on richflynn.com. RichFlynn.com, visual, so you got to see it. And I've been doing it for quite a while now. I think 35, 40 years, something like that. So we've got a, quite a quite a big body of work, and I'm trying to find it all a nice little home to go to. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. That's good. Yeah. Wow, that's yeah, a long yeah, time. Yeah, You're a real bona fide paid artist. Right, you're a real bona fide paid artist. You're not starving yeah. artist anymore because you got 35 <laughs> years in. Yeah, you have to qualify years. as a professional, right? Not just a hobbyist. Yeah, really. No, yeah, truly a professional. Been making a living at it for you know quite a while now. So I guess that's that's what makes you a professional. And I do it all the time, and people pay me to. Well. Back in the day, back in, you know, it seems like a million years ago, when people used to have events and weddings, they used to commission me to paint their weddings and paint their events. So that's how I really was able to make a living at it. But now I've got my nose into the Internet and trying to sell works online. <laughs> like we all are, yeah. Well, hopefully we're going to build a community here and uh, ask people. I've always been open source, unincorporated association for all you federal people out there that know me in 
government or working as a musician or producer or whatever. You know, we do uh, events when they're happening, but they're just not happening right now. And that's okay. We may skip 2020 and do webinars or something, but we are doing live recordings. And uh, this is a form of oral book reports. Our, uh, just letting you know, Ace Folk Life will have our little oral uh, gatherings weekly and uh, we're going to invite different people that want to share themselves ronnie dawson i did talk to him today all you guys that follow ronnie dawson uh on uh, our saturday night shows i can't believe this in uh, texas and uh he's going to his uh some type of graduation party or prom thing with his daughter tonight so he sends his regards and he's also had trouble with, uh, he said, with his phone lines, which he had anyway, staying on because a lot of things are lagging, lagging behind. But uh, anyway, just letting you guys know, for all you Ronnie Dawson fans, be sure and see him, hopefully, uh, at the Roswell July 4th Festival event that we have every year at Roswell, New Mexico. Now, uh, and on that Roswell UFO note, let me get uh, Mr. Project 1947 who was with us and came on last night for the UFO Association. And I want him to meet Richie Rich and meet uh, Miss uh, Suzanne Flynn, who happens to also be my side partner or, or, or associates. Uh, she and I are doing psychic networks on Thursday, so tonight's under paranormal for some reason, or maybe it's under culture. I don't even know what, where we're putting ourselves on syndication tonight. It says, uh, it doesn't say, does it? Okay, I don't see it. So however I built, yeah, it does. It has category paranormal. Well, that's okay because the first hour we're going to have Jay and Aldrich on. But normally, I'm going to read these really quick. We've got paranormal wine, comedy, legal, writing, work, weather, war, travel, sports, software, social networking, science, school, romance, religion, radio, which I guess we're always radio, politics, photography, parents, news, music, movies, market, lifestyle, job, military. they got way too many. They've added a whole bunch. It used to be like 10. Now they've got a whole bunch I don't even recognize anymore. Family, film, entertainment, education. I just put under entertainment tonight. Let's see. Current events and culture. It could go under so many. Culture, entertainment, events. Uh, but I'm going to put it under entertainment because they live in California and uh, I know everybody's knowing that a lot of our stuff in the UFO business is going towards that. But let me get – his name is going to be Jan Aldrich. And uh, we told him he could come back on the first hour. Now, do you have somebody coming on the second hour to help us, your I, radio I men? Did, I have. Okay. Um, well, we better so, get – who are yeah, they? I've got – so so today I've got a wonderful guest. It's Matthew Harnack. And he is a videographer, and he started with Facebook and was incredibly successful. So he's going to talk to us about what it means to be part of Facebook and how to use uh, our social media methods and promote ourselves and create a following. Really? Wow. Yeah. Somebody that Somebody intelligent. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. We can yeah. use some of that with all our different associations since we're on Facebook. But right now I've got to find the phone on my phone, the little thing, and look under my search engines. I wish somebody would tell me how to 
better utilize all these electronic things because I may be able to do webs and WordPress and cPanels and stuff and GoDaddy because I've been with them since, God, 2003. Let's see. What was his name? J. Would it be under J or H? But I'm looking for Gian Aldrich. I found him. He's right next to Gian Harzan. Let's see. Call. And it's Project 1947 at earthlink.net for all you people that keep up. Let's see, on this phone, are you are you going to call? Let's see, call. No, great, this phone doesn't call. Okay, now why do you have a phone that doesn't call? I don't know, but I definitely have one. It's the way it's listed in this particular, let's see, what kind of phone is this? They're all over $100. I mean, they're not like cheap throwaways. Let's see, uh, it's just the way this particular uh, thing has GN, but... Uh, why would it not call him? Let me see. Now, I'll have to I'll have to look on one of my other phones. So, uh, what uh, what about your radio men? Are we still going to be involved? They're going to come on later or our next time or what? The radio next, guys. Next time, the radio guys will okay. be on soon. Yeah, they will. So they just had some problems come up in their life. So they called and politely said they couldn't do it. So it's okay. We'll we'll get oh, back okay, to them. Oh, okay, but they do like maybe in the future, oh. right? Oh, yeah, absolutely, yeah. So Okay. Um, well, so far, uh, gosh, this is going to be interesting. This is the only phone that I've got. I've got to find. Okay, I apologize to everybody, uh, especially Suzanne, since oh, okay. uh, I thought some other guys were going to be here. But uh, I've got last night, I should have written the number down. Well, actually, I do have it in a book somewhere, but y'all have to hold on just a minute. But uh, okay, I've got I've got it fumbled through uh, books here. Uh, well, that's not going to happen right now. Now, this is uh, something I, he likes me to call him uh, versus okay. normally we don't call people. There's Ronnie. He said he appreciates it. Okay, let's see. Contacts. One of these phones is ringing. I've got three here, and they've all got GN on them. But why does it not show the phone numbers when it it's been showing the phone numbers? But they've been doing a lot of wacky stuff out there. That I wish somebody that does syncing with phones and all our Facebook. I don't know if anybody else has been. I know Ronnie says he's been yeah. having trouble, but uh, all these things together, they keep changing. There's you are. I mean, now everything looks so different what they're doing to me i usually can just hit a person and you know it used to be you hit a person and they they would uh ring up but for some reason tonight i'm on this is my third phone and i'm going to hit jen so you know suzanne how you and i can go on facebook sometimes so maybe your guests will explain that they're changing things and i've heard google's changing things too this is it doesn't this phone why is it if i hit it Nothing's happening. It's not offering me. Oh, maybe I do. I have to do something on my phone and hit zinc. Maybe, maybe see if I. Let me see. I'm on my computer and I'm in the in the studio. But uh, folks, this didn't used to be this way. So I'm embarrassed totally. No, it's okay. But I don't know how it's to okay. get him on here. We didn't give you. I'm gonna have to get Susie help collect databases for people because uh, Facebook. Uh, is it? Are either one of y'all near? It says Jan Aldrich phone mobile. Well, where is it? What is? It was here before. Why isn't it here now? 
Did somebody wipe me out? Somebody steal my phone numbers? <laughs> oh, gosh, got, I hope not. I don't know what's happened on the computers because uh, it shows me that email, but what's changed since last, yes, you know he was on yesterday. Yeah, I Now it has he his email, but it doesn't have his phone number, and I don't understand where, uh, I'm looking at my phones. So this Facebook person coming on tonight, it has something right. to do with Facebook every time I sign in, and I have T.J. Morris Agency, Reporter, and T.J. Thurman Morris, but manage your Google account. And it, it must have something to do with my syncing with all these different things. But right now, it's not showing my phone numbers in my phones. And I'm like, oh, I, no. I don't know what I did different. Well, it shows the person for him. Okay. Uh, and you guys look different now. So they're changing a lot of things, but they're changing them so fast on me. Uh, my icons are here, but I'm hitting phone. I can see his face. No, not his face. I see the J. Uh, and it won't it won't hit call on this phone. Let's see. I don't know why it's they're not lighting up on that phone, so I can't see it. Uh, I've been having something. I'm not sure what folks in the AI change things. Are, is anybody else having that, or does yours look normal? Is your phone and everything doing okay, Suzanne, while I'm looking? My, no, no, no. You you know, sometimes I get across lines and I have um, different problems, calls drop, or I pick up a phone and somebody can't hear me. Yeah, there's seems like at this point in time there's a lot of technical problems. I, I don't know what it actually means, but I can see his um, – I can see him on – I can see him there, but I can't I, – I don't have any way to dial him because I'm not connected with him, so – um, on Facebook? Oh, there's no, an idea. Gonna... There he okay. is. Okay. Okay. See so if you can uh, tell him to call in I or give you him... his phone number. Okay, great. I'll Let's send him see. that. So. Yeah, and folks, I apologize, but uh, he was just on last night, but uh, and the phones were available. All I did was punch my phone, and there's and I have the list, but the phone numbers aren't listing, and I'm like, Oh, when did that happen? When when do you hit your phone and the people aren't there? I mean, the list is there, your name and your email, but where did the phone right. numbers go? And uh, right. it's not just one. I have three. Jan, Jan, and let's, let's see. It says, it's like he's been wiped out. His picture's gone. It says call, text, video, email, and call, text, video is gone, and only email is lit up blue. So I can't hit the others on that phone. They're gray. And right. so maybe they're doing I wrote, something. Or... I, I wrote to him, and I sent him the phone number, and I sent him like about four text messages. So let's see if he just comes on, uh, if we give him a little minute. And, uh, yeah, he's 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 online here, so he's he's there. Let's see if I can... Well, something wiped out all the data, which I don't appreciate. <laughs> oh, my gosh. But uh don't get it. I really don't get it, folks. But they've, uh, you know, I've got plenty of uh, things going on in uh, the world, as does everybody. And a lot of people are complaining about phones dropping. And right. then we had our T-Mobile wiped out for three days. But I just had all the numbers. But his... Let me see if yours is wiped out. 
I'll go to another one. Let me see if it's the entire in my entire network. But I've been having some really strange things happening. But this one I wasn't prepared for because I was just going to bring Suzanne on, see who else she had coming on, and then that. Oh, let's see. This is strange. It, on messaging, now there's a. It could be another app crossing over. On messaging, I can see phone phone numbers. So, okay. so I, I may have. I sent him sent him a message, and let's see if he comes okay. on. Yeah. So. Okay. All right. Well, um, it was a great conversation last night with Jan. Um, I really love the stories that he shared and how he verified his information. Really interesting. And did you ever, you, Teresa, did you, did you ever do any work with Jan? No, just uh, he came on the archive, uh, he and Barry Greenwood. Uh, but, well, yeah, in the old days, you know, back when we were both, like, uh, we had uh, crossed, well, uh, I mean, he was Army. I think we crossed he was. I was joint Army, Navy, Air Force, Marines, but he was in Germany. I was in and out of country, and he was. But uh, he didn't work. Uh, as, uh, well, with me, it was. It would be. Uh, I, I was at the JAG office, Judge Advocate General JAG, and I did JAG reports. You know, and okay. like the FBI would bring their reports and that. But he knows what I did, and he handled classified. But I was Navy, and he was Army. Uh, but I did get to go to some of the Army locations uh and uh, we we crossed but uh what we share is uh historians historians and uh investigations with UFOs so how we cross is uh actually doing a national archive work uh and doing what we're doing tonight hopefully making his making history but uh I don't know why I'm having these universal type of situations. Rich, I know this sounds funny, but my phones, I'm looking at them, and uh, something's going on with all these different apps on phones and things, and it's like there's some kind of AI war. I don't understand it. And I've not had where one night I can call a person the next night, and I haven't done not just one phone, like, oh, well, you must have erased him. No, there's his name. There's his email. It's not going to help to email him right now, but that's all it, my phones are allowing me to do. So I, I don't, you know, so. Right. Uh, now, let's see. I'm looking. I know that I've got old-time Ace Folklife recordings in a book somewhere. So I'm looking in my stack close to me. <laughs> How embarrassing is this? And no, I'm looking no. for... Well, that's why I've got people like New Blood in to help me, too, because a lot of this stuff shouldn't be happening, especially radio. But now, you know, it's like uh, we said we would do him the first hour, and I know he's waiting. He's a sweetheart. But who's going to believe that between one day and the next? I mean, who's who would believe this? But this is culture, and this is what's happening to me personally. But uh, yeah. hold on ju- uh, just a minute. But uh, Suzanne, why don't you talk for a minute while I get up and try to locate the old-time rosters. Okay. You know, like you have, have people's uh, in the old time. But I'm going to mute for a minute, okay, while okay. you good. and Rich can talk. 
Okay, great. Thanks. Rich, are you there? Yes. Okay. Yes, so, um, so talk about what you're painting today because you're painting. You get up and paint every single day of your life, and and so now, yeah. tell me what you're painting on because you know you always paint the scene in front of you. But what are you painting today? Well, today it's the scene of Dana Point, California. We have a beautiful harbor here. And it's, the weather's always perfect, it seems like. But it's, uh, it, the road's called Golden Lantern, and it takes you down into the harbor. So I'm doing a piece with oil, painting with oil on wood board. And it's coming along pretty good. But yeah, okay. I just get in the habit of painting. If, you, if I go a few days without painting, I just really miss it, and I really just have to do it. So. Anything to work on, fine. So this is going to be the latest one, and it's coming along pretty good, I think. Okay. Okay, so talk about what Dana Point is famous for. We've got Dana Point, California, and uh, the book that was written about it was Two Years Before the Mast, written by the author Richard Dana. Right. It was the whole story about when the missions came here and they started uh, using, started um, herding cattle and raising cattle and for the leather. So here they right. have these big cliffs and they brought the cow hides to the cliffs. And the, the story is they threw them over the side of the cliff to go to the boats that sailed from Boston all the way around the Horn. And all the way up to California, I guess, a, what was it, a three-month trip? No, 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 it takes, it takes three years you take, and it takes three years. nine months. It takes three years, so you take, it takes almost a full year. They left at the time, and it's, I don't think it's called the Horn. When they, when they sail around the tip of Argentina, they have to leave at a certain time because, you know, the ice was there, and they didn't have steel-bottomed boats, and then they would just sail down from Boston, go all the way around South America, and then come up the coast, and they would come to um, Southern California first because uh, it was the mission of San Juan Capistrano, and then they would load up the hides, and it's five miles from the harbor, and then they'd go up to the next um, city, and they'd keep going up and down the coast until the boat was full of hides, and then they would set out and they would sail again. And they always told them it took a year, but it doesn't take a year. It takes um, almost a year to sail from Boston, and then it takes a year to collect enough hides to make the journey worth it, and then it takes another year to sail back. Wow. Yeah, well, I think in three months. Yeah, that's a long journey. They had a <laughs> replica of one of the yeah they had a replica of one of the boats in the harbor called the Pilgrim, which sank, but it was a small <laughs> ship, and you think, just think how many people were on that ship, and they had to load it up, and they got a dollar a skin. That's why they call it a buck skin, a buck huh. of skin. So, wow. But, yeah, what a journey. But, yeah, this this is a really historical area for Southern California. I know, I know. We used to think it was it was a it was an old time setting, but it really isn't. And so this part of California went through different stages. First, it was um, first it was American Indians, of course, and then after that, it was the um, the Catholic uh, churches, and uh, 
the Spaniards, and so the Spaniards settled the area, and then um, and then they got rid of the um, ownership of land by the Catholic churches, and then it was uh, under Spanish, what was called Spanish American rule, and then um, and then it and then it turned into something else. But yeah, so we've seen several stages, but it's just an incredible um, spot to be in because. You're on the ocean, and it's a perfect protected cove, and they could just come in and uh, set set anchor and load up and go on to the next spot. But it was all under the power of a sail. And I can never remember who his um, authors were from the same era. I want to say it was Nathaniel Hawthorne, but I'm not yeah. sure. I don't think that's correct. I don't know. Never can remember that. It but is. it's a great – is it? Yeah, I think it so, is. I think so. Is six six nine? Is that a? Is that? That's is not a six six nine. number. No, if you got a six six uh, nine, that might be Dan. That's Matt. Who's six six nine? Jan, is that you? I could have sworn I heard a voice there. Sound like Matt. Is oh, it Matt? Matt? Is it Matt? Yeah. Okay. We've got Matthew. Matthew and um, the story of Facebook. So he's on with us right now. Uh, there's two nine four nine, so six three seven and a nine eight one. Nine oh, two oh. more nine four nines. Okay. Well, uh, people apparently are hear, hearing us. We need help, so I'm drowning <laughs> here, folks. So everybody's on. There's six six nine two three four nine 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 four nine six three seven nine four nine nine eight one. You're now live with Richie Rich and Susan Wyman for the Ace of Folk Life, and I'm T.J. Morris, your host, and she's co-hosting. Oh, and I can't find his number. So, oh dear. Oh dear. Uh, back to, back to you, Suzanne. Well, I got a cat okay. dog fight. Okay, go ahead. Okay. <laughs> Matthew, are you there? Matthew, are you there? Can you hear me? Thought I heard Matt. I thought I heard. I thought I thought I heard somebody too. I couldn't figure out who it was. So he yeah. says he's. Uh, um, I, I, they say that they're listening. Are you? Um, I can't. I I don't know if he can. Not you guys be heard. Hang up. Oh, why? Matthew, are you there? Matthew, I can hear you. Hmm. Huh. No. Huh. He'll get it. He should be able that, to come on. Well, he should be live. Right. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. I'm right here. This. That should that should work. Hi. Hi there. Hi. How how are you? Introduce yourself. This is Matt. Okay. And sure. Jeff. Okay. Sorry for the technical difficulty. <laughs> That's okay. Uh, my name is Matt, Matt Harnack, okay. and uh, I grew up in California. You guys have been talking about California, so I'm a California local and native, native <gasps> to California. And uh, I sometimes call myself uh, an eco-geek. Which okay. I think uh, just basically describes somebody who likes technology but also wants to do good things for the environment. So I love solar panels and I love uh, social media and how and I love uh, you know gardening and being vegan and plants. And, all that good stuff. Okay. Oh, good. 
got a little bit of, I don't know if it's where your mic is centered or what, but it's okay. So talk to us about um, evolving oh, goodness. technology. <laughs> oh, 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 good. Teresa, Teresa Matt, okay. Matt's on with us. Have uh, hi, Matt. Uh, <laughs> no, I was thinking about, Sorry, hold, hold on, my daughter has a snake. Oh, my God. <laughs> All right. Uh, there's, you can, uh, Matt, you can tell those other two people. Oh, let me answer that, to call back, uh, and they can listen, okay? And I'm going to go back on mute, Suzanne. Okay, all right. Um, Matt, talk about Facebook and social media and talk about the importance, because if people don't have to get in their car and go someplace and they can connect with their friends and their family through technology, what an amazing uh it saves so many resources and it helps preserve our planet. You're really into carbon foot, footprints and all of the things that are about, you know, using our resources wisely. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I do think a lot about that. I, I, uh, I love the quote from Buckminster Fuller. Um, oh. he, he famously said, uh, we don't have to be afraid of the future if we learn how to do more with less. I really love that yeah. quote. I, I try to think about that often. Okay. So tell, talk about how you're using your, your personal technology in staying connected and promoting your skills. And I can't, you told me where you were working now and where are you working right now? Okay, yeah. So I I live and work up in the Bay Area, uh, the Silicon Valley, and um, I work for a little company. It's a pretty small company. It's called BrightSign, and we are we operate out of Los Gatos, California. Um, okay. So basically, what BrightSign does is we make media players. Those media players are programmable media players. So imagine a Roku player or, you know, an Amazon Fire player. Um, if you guys are familiar with those, they're basically these small media players that you plug into a television and then you get access to all of this content. Well, what a bright sign player is basically a blank slate player. So you can do whatever you want with it, whatever you, you learn the ecosystem of bright sign and you learn how it works, and then you can program those media players to do a number of things. Um, so basically, you know, if you want to – let's say you're a museum, and your museum, you want to show uh, people coming to an exhibit. You want to give them extra information about what's going on at the, that exhibit. You would connect a bright sign player to maybe a touch screen, and the bright sign player would – show a presentation that maybe would connect to a touch screen and somebody could touch different buttons that would connect to information about the various aspects of that uh, presentation. So, you know, it's a very creative way for uh, people to use media. And what I do there is I teach people how the ecosystem works. So I make training videos for BrightSign. And so I'm, I'm their video guy. And I really love it. I say, I say to people often, you know, working at BrightSign is not very glamorous, but it's mine and I love it. Mm -hmm. 
So I'm sitting here looking at some of their blogs, and it says ecosystem thinking is the path to future and digital signage growth. And it talks about how uh, one of their projects they did was with a kids' museum, and it's it's interactive is what I what I'm looking at this and I'm understanding it's an interactive process. Yeah, that's absolutely right. You know, a lot of the first thing that you would think about if you were getting into digital signage, the first thing that would go through your mind is, oh, I could play a, a playlist of videos or a playlist of songs on that media player. And yes, that's absolutely true. But then once you get right past that idea of a playlist of content, then you get into the interactivity of what the player can do. Buttons, menus, interactive, um, like other other ways that you can interact with a screen. There, we have gesture-based interactivity. We have voice-activated interactivity. So, yeah, there's a lot of ways you can interact with a screen now. And uh, it, we're basically just at the sort of beginning stages of figuring out what that means, figuring out that medium. Okay, and um, so now now everything is digital. Now everything is about your online presence and everything is about digital. And one of the things that you're offering is webinar services. So <clears throat> I'm not saying that that substitutes for that one-on-one -on -one educational process, but um, there is something really valuable about, I mean, like now you can study with some of the greats. You can see, listen, interact, and um actually feel as if you have an experience with some of the great leaders in fields and they're highly specialized. And so it's going to change the entire process instead of us feeling as if we're separate and, you know, there's different cultures. Now it's just going to become about you being able to connect with people that you're interested in and follow them through using this type of new technology. I don't think it's exactly cutting edge brand new today, but it's definitely something that is changing what people have available to them. It's interesting. Yeah, I really I really connect with what you're saying because what I have experienced in the last you know, in the last really since the lockdown, right? Since we've mm -hmm. been cloistered in our homes is there's been a total like uh now we are as close <laughs> and as far away from everyone. We're the exact same distance from everyone, which is like infinitely far because we can't connect with other people physically and also infinitely close. Like everybody is now, it's completely been flattened, this, this concept of distance. And what that does is it really uh, allows you to reconsider, wait a second, my friend who lives in Europe, all I have to do is, you know, figure out a time difference and make sure that it's acceptable to call that person and then go for it, right? Or right. that class that you wanted to take at Stanford or, you know, Princeton. It's like, wow, you know what? That class, it's online. And it's online for the students who, who are supposed to be enrolled in there too. So you can get the exact same education that actual people who are employed there or uh, enrolled there would be getting paying full price of their for their education and tuition. So, yeah, 
things are rapidly changing. This has been a, something that's been changing for many years, but now we're seeing the fruition of it accelerated by uh, the pandemic. Well, okay, exciting, really exciting, uh, maybe a little bit too, um, like I'm not somebody who really understands technology, but you're you're somebody who has a great deal of skill in doing videos and putting those videos online. And so talk about that part of it, because I, I'm sitting down, I'm looking at Facebook, and I'm talking about what I'm doing on Facebook but I don't have any idea of what any of it actually means. I feel like I'm sort of like, you know, like a kid. Oh, I saw that picture. I liked it. I post it. Talk, talk about social media, specifically Facebook, and how that's an effective tool for being connected with other people. Well, um, you know, just like, just like anything, I think that you can use these tools uh, – you you can use these tools in um, in a myriad of directions. Um, I like to use social media in a way that's highly personal. I don't really like having a ton of people who I don't actually know on social mm-hmm. media. I okay. like I like to have social media be something where I've got my people who I've made real connections with, I basically treat Facebook like a Rolodex, you know, a modern day Rolodex. Like they're actually people who I've met and know and want to stay connected with. And it's, it's basically my tribe, my social network. And if you treat it like that and really make sure, keep it precious to you, you can have a very meaningful experience with it. If you just are liking news articles and sharing out random things and creating basically echo chambers for yourself, I think it can be a very destructive force. But if you're actually using it to keep in touch with people who you can't be with personally, physically, now you know more important than ever, um, then it's a really powerful and effective tool. Uh, but it's okay. not the only social media network. It's not the only network that you can be a part of, you know. It's one of a myriad of other communities. You know, I've been looking at this blog talk radio. That's a community. Okay. That's a social network. Whether you realize it or whether somebody realizes that or not, it is a social network of people coming together and sharing their thoughts, opinions, feelings, in a way that's uh, meaningful with a specific community. And just because Facebook's the biggest one doesn't mean that there's not space for so many different types of social media, you know? And I think that uh, Facebook, the, the thing I'll end with, with what I'm saying is, if you have a Facebook account, I think you, it would be behoove everyone to go through your friend list and just double check to make sure you know everybody on your friend list. And if you don't know the person and they don't mean anything to you, like you, don't, you didn't really connect with that person, send them a message and say, hey, you know, I, you're on my friend list. Like, do you know me? And if you don't know me, uh, goodbye. You know, I'll see, we'll see you in another life or something. I, uh, I think that you should keep your friend list as something that's precious to you. 
Um, and, you know, then, then I think there are other places where you can have sort of the more broadcast vibe. Twitter is a great place to just broadcast information. But Facebook, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you could have a business page that's where you don't know everyone. Open a business page if you want to just have it go to everybody. But keep your friends list precious to you. That's my advice for Facebook. Okay. So nice, nice share. Um, really, really nice um, share. So just like, just to get a, just to get a feeling of it, how many people do you have in that select group of people that you share information with and a small group of your friends and, you know, how many people is there in your group that you use Facebook for? Well, so I am sort of building back my tribe. Um, right now, that number is somewhere in the 80s. I only have 80 people that I'm uh, connected with. And I, uh, I basically, when I, so let me give you a little bit of background. I, uh, worked for Facebook from 2011 to 2016. So I was an employee of Facebook. And what Facebook unfortunately became for me, and if you work at Facebook, this is pretty much going to happen to you, um, it's your work life. Facebook, <laughs> at Facebook, is something you have to use. It's not something that's blocked from use like at, at some, for some employers. You're on Facebook 24-7 working there. So you, uh, there's a culture of friending everybody you meet in a professional uh, capacity. So I had a lot of people. It was, it was not my friends anymore. It was people who I worked with. So it became a professional platform for me. And after I stopped working there, I decided, you know, a lot of these people no longer are sort of meaningful connections to me. So I'm going to go mm-hmm. through my list, find out who I actually worked with in a capacity that was meaningful and people who I want to stay in touch with. And I whittled down a friends list that was, I basically have, you know, 1400 friends and I whittled it down to way too far. You know, I, I let go of people who I didn't want to actually let go of for other reasons that I won't get into, but okay. uh, I'm at 89 and I, and I am ready to add people back into my network. Okay. Huh. Interesting. So, um, so how does it, I mean, I've never done a video on Facebook and I I don't even, I don't even think I know how to do it, but, um, so what, what happens to that? Okay. So I got two questions for you. One, um, if I put it on Facebook, does it remain somewhere on that, app forever or does it disappear okay Mm -hmm. and the next question is is that what's the great benefit of doing videos i mean i don't even i don't even know how to do it but what let's talk about that because you are you you have so much knowledge of uh the world of video i mean you picked up so much as a child growing up with your father being a videographer and teaching uh, video, you know, video, and now you do that, and so, you know, just talk about that, like in a general sense. Sure. Um, well, 
let's answer your question first. The first part that I'll answer is uh, video on Facebook is persistent. Most video on, vid- on Facebook is persistent. There's a couple of different ways to use video now on Facebook. There's a video post, which is basically where you post a video to your timeline. And it's usually a pre-recorded video that you have maybe edited or maybe you shot on your phone and you just thought was cool. And you upload it to uh, a, a post. You, you post it instead of a photo, right? It gives you an option. It says, would you like to post an image or video? And you select it from your hard drive and you post it. That video is persistent. It's not going to go anywhere. The only way you can delete it from Facebook is by, you know, going into that post and actually pressing delete. Or if you really don't want Facebook to have any of your information, you can go into your privacy settings and deactivate your account. And somewhere a barrier, unfortunately, it's a little hard to find. But there is a way because of the uh, – the GDPR, which is some European standards that are in place now for privacy, there is a way to delete your account permanently. And, uh, you know, it's good to know that that's there because a lot of people say, oh, well, it's on Facebook forever. Well, no, it's actually Facebook has a legal obligation to delete your account permanently. So do other companies. And that's a good thing for people to know. Um, So then... The other aspect, okay, we talked about the first type of video. Second type of video is Facebook Live. That's where you go on your phone and you actually just use your camera on your phone to go live instantaneously. It's a pretty powerful tool, right? You know, you're in the car, uh, you have something important you want to say, you literally just tap a couple of buttons and go live on Facebook. And it sends a notification to your network to tell them that you're live. And once it sends that notification, if you have engaging content, the people watching might share it with other people. And then you get that virality. The other third part is a new thing called Facebook stories. And that's non-persistent video. You can share a video, but it's not going to stay on the uh, network. So it's kind of the, the Snapchat thing. Facebook and Instagram got wise to what Snapchat was doing which is having these, in, these uh, ephemeral videos, videos that disappear in an hour or a day mm-hmm. once they're viewed. Uh, and that became something that Facebook and Instagram both have adopted since. So those are the three types of video. As far as so video talk, goes, go ahead. Talk, talk about, because that's, that's like interesting to me. They set it up with the intention that it was just going to be really very temporary. And so what's the benefit of that? How does that, how's that a benefit? Well, it's a benefit to the company because it promotes people sharing lamer content, right? <laughs> There's a lower barrier to entry. You doesn't have to be precious. It, it can be just whatever, right? You just okay. pick up your phone and film whatever, and it can be shaky and it can be just like you in your, in, your, uh, in your shorts hanging out and going for a walk in the woods, right? Like nothing special, but still something that's important to your, you know, the, a little slice of life. And that kind of 
attitude is, I think, what people like. They're drawn to it. It's real. It feels very real. But it also lowers the barrier of entry. And then for the viewer, it makes them feel like, oh, my gosh, this is special. It's going to go away. I'm not going to be able to see it after today. So I'm going to try to look at my stories right away because, hey, if I don't, I'll miss it. So it's got both sides of that. It, it, it helps people generate it. It encourages generation, but it also encourages people watching. And that's the magic of it. Suzanne, I finally got, I finally got uh, our, our other guest that could meet Matt and uh, talk to him because he's a historian. But Jan Aldrich of Connecticut is on now. I finally got Yay. him. So uh, uh, can you allow Matt and Jan to talk about whatever Matt's, Matt's talking about with the UFO Association? Oh, yeah. Cause Matt, Matt, we don't only do Ace Folk Life, but it, uh, last night we did UFO Association uh, with this gentleman, Jan Aldrich. So uh, uh, let me, uh, I guess you both need to introduce yourselves, and we're recording, folks, so it's a live archive just going to be <laughs> this is culture. So Jan Aldrich, meet. Matt, introduce yourself to Jan, and then I'll let Jan introduce himself. But Matt, since you were talking, tell tell him what your name okay. is and what you do, please. Hi, hi, Jan. It's a pleasure to meet you. My name's Matt, and I am a filmmaker, and I guess today I'm a social media expert. <laughs> I do. I am, I am. I am that. I believe after <laughs> so many years doing it. So. Jan. Okay, well, I, I'm Jan. Good to meet you, Matt. Here is um, I'm a retired uh, military and then retired post office. So about 50 years of government service. Wow. Right on. And what uh, what branch of the military? Uh, Army. Cool. So. <laughs> Where? <where's... laughs> Tell me about that. Where? Uh, what year? Well, I started in '67. I got out in '94. So. Wow. Uh, oh wow. So that. Uh, did did uh, you do a lot of traveling? Yeah. Um, uh Seven overseas tours. So I spent almost more than half my time overseas. That's so uh, uh, Italy, Germany, Korea. Time. Say it again. Germany, Korea. Well, your phone's breaking up, Matt. Uh oh. Yeah. Huh. Is why, why is that? It's, it's, oh, yeah, that helps a little bit, yeah. Two. Okay, good. Good. So, what are we having some technical difficulties? I, you know, I, I, um, TJ, um, is, is taking and working on putting this together, and sometimes it just takes a little bit of time. But, Jan, last night you were a great conversation. You shared so much of your story, and I've never heard any of it. And so, you know, we, we got started, and we didn't we didn't get a chance to finish. So I want you to tell me the story where you think um, your most important piece of work is, the most memorable piece of work is in your career, and I just want you to choose a highlight and have that conversation because it's fascinating. It's just fascinating what you did. Well, that's uh, 
Yeah, that was that was uh, the the uh, minor cases. Like I say, it's mostly it's it's not mostly mine. It's just to me, it's the best case. Now, uh, you say I'm a historian. Actually, I'm a plotter. Okay. So here's a story about plotting through stuff. Um, there's a very famous letter in you in, in UFOs, which is. Um, it's uh, a letter signed by uh, General Twining uh, in 1947 in September, which he says uh, UFOs appear to be real, not illusionary. And uh, uh, an earlier Project Blue Book, or a Project Blue Book uh, uh, head, who wrote uh, the report on UFOs, uh, Captain Edward Ruppelt, revealed uh, that this letter existed. For the next 10 years, the Air Force denied that it existed. So from 56 to about 66, they denied it it existed. Um, And the letter was entitled... uh, AMC opinion on UFOs. AMC is the Air Materiel Command. It's one of the biggest commands in the Air Force. Uh, it's in charge of logistics and in charge of some research and all kinds of things. It's uh, it's a very big organization. It's, it's commanded by a lieutenant general. Uh, so everybody says, oh, this is a letter that uh, uh, just came out of the blue. That's the way people thought of it for, for for years. Things like that don't happen, though. Okay. And what – so uh, being a plotter, I went to the Air Force Historical Research Organization and signed out a bunch of – items and it's essentially turning one page after another so the ufo letter was written in 1947 but before in 1946 here's a letter from uh this is the army air force now because the air force hadn't split out till 1947 the army air force here's the uh, letter from the uh, assistant secretary of the army for air uh, Stuart Symington, he later became a senator, and he is writing to a uh, rather famous Air Force General, uh, uh, General LeMay, who was uh, involved in the bombing in Japan, uh, he, and afterwards, in 1946, he's a head of uh, research and development in the uh, Air Force, Army Air Force. And uh, uh, Secretary Symington asks LeMay, he says, if we look out there at AMC, the Air Material Command, can they, uh, what happens if they need an interim project before the next budget? Or can they do that? And uh, LeMay says, yes, they can do that. 
the commander of Air Material Command can start his own project on his own authority, but at the next budget cycle, he has to uh, he has to go ahead and ask for the project to be continued and placed in the budget. Okay, that's just the 1946 letter. UFOs come on the scene. Um, uh, 1947, about 5 July at the Pentagon. Uh, now there's, this is still the Army Air Force. The uh, the uh, duty officer at Army Intelligence. It's it's uh, really late in the evening or early in the morning. Uh, the, this colonel from the Air Force comes in, Lieutenant Colonel Garrett, and he he's in there late. So the duty officer has to make a notation that he came, in, you know, into the into this area. And he told this is after the uh, UFO uh, UFOs appeared on the scene. He made a notation. He says Colonel Garrett came and. Uh, uh, he explained that the reason he had, was there, that he had been out investigating UFOs, and uh, it's taken a lot of time, and he's been doing it for a little bit now. Okay, so they're doing it in the Pentagon. They're doing something in the Pentagon, let's put it that way. Um, okay. On the 3rd of July, 1947, um, the editor at the Idaho... Um, statesman, the aviation editor, the aviation editor, and he's been watching uh, these UFOs for the last couple of weeks or so. He calls General Twiney. He's also uh, uh, he he helped initiate the Idaho National Guard, so he he has some he has some. Uh, Influence to, to talk to General Twining. General Twining uh, is interested in what he has to say anyway, so he tells him about UFOs. And General Twining said, "Yes, I've heard about these things." And he talks about uh, Kenneth Arnold, who, who was one of the ones that the first one to see it, as far as the newspapers are concerned. And some forest fire lookouts and some other cases. And he asked General Twining, are you going to do anything about this? And General Twining says, yes, you can You can write a story saying that I am, I'm going to look into this, that the uh, Air Materiel Command was going to look into this. And General Twining gets off the phone, and we found this memo. He's writing a memo to his second-in-command, a man named General Brunel, uh, and he just... He says, we're going to initiate a, a study into these flying disks. Um, come see me. Um, so, uh, and that is in the AMC correspondence that uh, we were able to find that. I wasn't able to find that. I found the earlier letters, but I didn't find these. So... Uh, uh, 
right after that, the story appears and goes worldwide that AMC is looking into these things. Um, uh, General Twining, uh, being a pretty smart cookie anyways, he got in charge of General Vandenberg and said, hey, I'm doing this on my own, but I want to let you know that I am so you're not blindsided. So, um, <laughs> so then... General Vandenberg, like Vandenberg Air Force Base. Yes, that's right. That's named after him. He's the he's the vice uh, he's the he's the vice commander of the uh, Air Force at the time. He had just got through being the uh, uh, director of uh, Central Intelligence. So, um, okay, so uh, they they started investigation out of Wright Field uh, Air Materiel Command. Once again, the Pentagon duty officer, about the 14th of July, here comes Colonel Garnett again, and he <laughs> he goes into a longer explanation about what he's doing. He says, I've been chasing down these flying disc reports. Some of them are hoaxes. One of them tonight was a, a toilet seat somebody threw flew out a window and called the press. <coughs> but he says, there there's really interesting things. I'm making a list about them, the ones that are um, substantial. Um, so that's an entry in the, the duty log for the uh, Army intelligence. Uh, later on, it, the end of July... He has made up this list. He's got uh, uh, about 16 UFO incidents, and this is found in the FBI files. It's, it's not found in the uh, in the Air Force files. The FBI has been informed that the Air Force is looking into this stuff. The FBI is doing uh, follow suit and starts doing the same thing. Uh, he, he uh, Colonel Garnett continues to um, accumulate cases, and he, uh, by the end of August, he's got quite a few, and he writes a, uh, what he, uh, uh, a summary, flying discs over the U.S., and uh a General Shuligan in the Air Force, uh, Army Air Force Intelligence, sends that to General Twining. Now, we don't know what, we don't have the cover letter, but we have the um, flying discs over the U uh, U.S., but we know that General Shuligan sent the letter because Twining refers to it in uh, in his letter. So he, he sent this to Twining. Apparently, they wanted AMC's opinion on it. So now, one of the letters that Twining had signed, in at the back of the letter, somebody had written in uh, pen that they had a meeting at AMC with uh, senior aviation specialists. Uh, Colonel McCoy, who was in charge of uh, T2 intelligence, uh, 
General Bretonnell, who was in charge of engineering, uh, General Put, uh, who is uh, an expert on uh, propulsion, uh, and there was there was about uh, eight uh, officers that attended this meeting. So they uh, uh, they came up with recommendations what AMC should do, and they sent. They sent them to Twining. Twining said, write up a letter to the Pentagon and explain what we want to do. So, now uh, that's, I don't have evidence of that, but it's obvious that that he did that. He did say, hey, write up a letter, because they wrote a letter. And um, totally. people don't understand military correspondence, so they can't decode some of this stuff <clears throat> i bet a lot of it's uh crossed out too like uh what do they call that Where no there's, there's no there's no redaction in this letter no so redaction. general twining no redaction yeah redaction that's yeah means crossed out right yeah, okay so right. general twining's letter under the date it's got uh hhm slash telephone number slash another group of initials slash the telephone number. That's called the blame line in a military uh, letter. That's the person right. The person that wrote it didn't necessarily sign it. So Colonel McCoy, who was in charge of intelligence, his actual title is a deputy commanding general uh, for intelligence of AMC. That's his, that's his title. But he's he's only a colonel. Do you? Now, I have a question. I have a question. Sure. So I I have this skill. I am actually a trained storyteller. Do you want to work up the story in it, me? Uh, I'm sorry, I, I missed that. Do you want to workshop this story with me for a minute so that we can really get it down to what it's what the story's about because we're there's so many characters that you're introducing so it's really hard for me and well i'm going to go i'm going to go and summarize this at the end so okay okay so so, uh, because i think we could workshop your story really well and get it down to its essence so that it's yeah uh, if you're a ufo guy you you recognize some of these characters Although people oh, don't read, don't you know? They don't. Re- they don't know their own history, so they can't tell that. Right. A- anyways, twining is the important. The power part of here. story is a very powerful thing. I'm, yeah, I'm giving you a. I'm the, giving you a. Twining is a the very, most important character. An opportunity here. right now. Oh, what's his name? I said twining. Twining, twining, is, twining is, is your the most important. He's your protagonist. Twining is the most important character, and main character. McCoy is awesome. his deputy. And, uh, okay, Twining and McCoy, right-hand okay. man. McCoy, got it. So Twining and McCoy. Two, yeah, these two guys are... Uh, um, now, a lot of the people that I talked about had, in the Second World War, their job overseas was to find and seize... Uh, uh advanced german weapons and uh um manuals manuals and plans and things like that that's what their job was that was what mccoy's job was to translate the stuff and 
microfilm it in the Second World War. Okay. So all these, most of these people that I've talked about previous to this, I've been involved in that kind of action over in uh, in the Second World War. So McCoy writes up the letter, and he, we know that because of the blame line. The blame line has his initials on it. And Twining's letter is to the Pentagon, and he says, General Shuligan from the Pentagon sent this sent uh, this uh, summary of flying discs over the U.S. And our opinion is that these things are real and not illusionary. They actually probably exist, and AMC's opinion is that they should um, be uh, investigated. And we, uh, there probably sh- there should be some further investigation. They send that to the Pentagon. Now that reveals from the 1946 LeMay Symington correspondence what what uh, what uh, Twining is doing is he's asking for an actual project. He had an interim project that he started on his own authority and he is asking for an actual project. And that's actually what happened. The Pentagon, the uh, Air Force Intelligence writes a, a letter, puts uh, Twining's information and flying sauce, flying discs over the United States together and some other correspondence and sends it to... Uh, um, Twining uh, was on a mission to to get these letters to the Pentagon, to get these letters to the powers that be. Why did he want... Because he was... They, that's how you get uh, a, a project uh, approved. So that's what he was doing. He was trying to get the project approved. He was trying to get a, pro- a project approved. So... Ah, I see. Okay. So what I, what, what, what's happened is we found that we found the documents that show how a, an interim project could be done or, you know, would be done. And Twining had the authority to do it, and he did it. And then mm-hmm. at, towards the end of the year, when it's time to think about the next year's budget, uh, he was asked his opinion on flying saucers or his command's opinion, because that's what he did. He, he had a he had a uh, a meeting of, of uh, experts within his command. Then... Uh, then he wrote a letter to the Pentagon and said, yeah, we think these things are worthy of some kind of investigation. The Pentagon put that together, sent it to uh, Twining's higher-up, recommended it be pushed into the budget, and in uh, the end of January of 1948, a project was authorized. Now, it's what I was trying to, to demonstrate to in, is... To investigate. The, yeah. 
What I was trying to demonstrate the is the, the twining letter process. is not something that stands alone like people in UFO uh, lore think think it is. It's actually it wasn't out of the blue. It wasn't out of blue. It's actually a procedure that he was supposed to follow, and he followed it exactly. Um, and it was established before yeah, he, put he in, uh, before UFOs were ever on the scene. And so then once you understand that, you get a little idea about <coughs> the history. I hear that. It's totally. not quite what, as... What as, inspired him? What inspired him to investigate UFOs? Did he have an incident himself? No. He no. was called but by... a uh, man did. He was called by somebody that he trusted who told him, you know, who was an aviation editor, so this guy had been, he's an aviation editor, he's been paying attention to the press. Um, so he asked, you know, and he, he gave Twining a couple of examples, and, you know, uh, uh, UFOs have been, there have been a deluge of UFO sightings in the uh, in the press, but uh, the aviation editor said, hey, this is something that's going on. And like I said, the colonel in the happened? Pentagon that's uh, investigating these things on his, pretty well on his own, he's accumulating cases that he's investigated, and then they come together. So there's a confluence. What's been done in Washington and what's been done at, uh, at AMC and uh, pointing to AMC what do you is think the one that's this? investigating aircraft, right? AMC uh, is the one investigating aircraft. What's that? The aviation. A- AMC stands for aviation something. What? I, no, no, I it stands that. for Air Materiel Command. It's a giant, sprawling. It handles all the ordering of equipment. Uh, it handles research and development. It's a huge operation. Wow. It's got this bases like, all over the United States. Kind of like created all of the aircraft. This is what created all the aircraft during World War II. Is that correct? Yeah, well, it gets, you know, parts, um, um, you know, things. It, it tests things. It tests, tests bombs. And one of the things that we're looking for is evidence of the Soviets having a nuclear bomb, so they sent planes aloft to see if they could uh, um, find fallout. So they do a lot of things. They're doing manned flight with balloons. Um, it's a it's a it's a huge organization. And it does it, it, it besides the logistics. It does uh, research and development and. Um, uh, supply to the uh, um, it it doesn't build aircraft, but when the aircraft are built, they may be tested by the AMC. It's a real huge organization. Once it's re- uh, once you have a lieutenant general in charge, it's pretty important. Right, a lieutenant general is like the top, right? That's the top uh, rank. No, well, the, a general uh, would be the, the general would be the regular one but he's this guy's he's pretty important now intelligence in the pentagon for uh for the uh army air force is only a, a major general he's one step below 20 
Right. So, okay. I got to get my uh, range. So, uh, essentially, range. what this shows is we know the procedure that you can have an interim project at AMC. Uh, Twining's informed about uh, UFOs from uh, from a person he uh, trusts. Uh, he decides to investigate on his own, which he can. Uh, and now he has budget. Yeah, approved. And, and now they uh, yeah they they go ahead and just uh, help the budget process along by producing a letter. It wasn't just something out out of the blue. Right. It was. Uh, part of the procedure that they had to do. Um, so then what happened? So he has the budget. He's like ready to go investigate. What, is, what happens now? Uh, they, they started a project called Project Sign. It was... Uh, Sign, okay. They have been, they, now, they have been investigating. So now it becomes an official project. So they have been investigating from July of 1947 up to... Uh, 31 January 1948, they have been investigating, and now they're legal. <laughs> right. Now they're approved. They're approved. It was interim before, now it's, now it's permanent. And Now they got some bucks behind it. Right. All right. And there, there's... Now, if you, want to, if you want to flesh out the story about what everything's going on, it's it's quite extensive, but I just wanted to talk about that one letter that people don't understand how this is how this all fits together. So that's why I, I talked about. I think that's probably it. true of a lot of things, right? We think like, oh, this thing in the media that we see, it just yeah. came out of the blue. But yeah, there's came like out a of whole the blue, backstory to all white. of these things. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, and you know? and most you know. Most bureaucracies, you know, it's not something that just happens. Although, with the latest president, right. it seems like things just happen. <laughs> Did, do you have? Um, do you, right. It it seems like things just happen, but you know, our okay. our current president has said he's going to be the president many times in the past. I've watched him over the course of my entire life claim that he's going to become the president. He manifested yeah. that. Yeah. We're, we're not going to, we're no, no politics. Okay, Matthew, sorry. No politics. No problem. Um, yeah, no, no. That, that, uh, that was, that was metaphysical, metaphysical <laughs> politics. That was yeah. about, that was a message about, meta, about manifestation. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so Jan, let me, let me ask you a question because um, I don't know anything and you have a wealth of information um, so the, I, the original question was, is like, what do you think was the most important? What was the most powerful piece? And basically, what you clarified is that um, General Twining, who um, was an, a very interesting four-star general, he is the one who, uh, uh, through a trusted friendship, created the money, the financing, and the support in order to begin the journey of documenting right. the information we have about UFOs. That's where, we, that's where the story starts at, and that's what you reveal to us, and you reveal the individual who actually 
got the money and got the uh, manpower in order to take and put this together. Interesting, interesting point. So now, um, so now that's where where we start. And so now, take take us to um, a different um, point in the process of where, because you started doing this when you were extremely young and you got involved in this process. So talk to us about the next most important point that you think that made the difference between us actually understanding how we do have interaction with alien races and it just being a myth. Just talk about the direct connections that happen, the very, very tangible direct connections that happen because you have a you have more information probably than anybody I've ever even heard of so it's interesting well once again I said it's like it's I, I'm a plotter okay so I plot so I went to the archives okay. turning over pieces of paper let's look at uh, um Air Force top secret documents. That that could be interesting. Find something that way. So I'm starting. I'm starting from 1946 and going forward with that. Just turning over documents and seeing if there's anything relevant to UFOs. Now, historically, supposedly. In 1948, after investigating a number of UFO cases, Project Sign, which is the the legitimate project investigating UFOs after after it's okayed, uh, has has been investigating things, and they have to put in quarterly reports. Well, one of their reports is called the Estimate of the Situation which is a, an intelligence document where you uh, you stop and think about everything you found and what is the situation from what you found so far. And so the uh, Project Sign guys put this together and their estimation in about somewhere about October, September 1948 they decided that they would say our estimate is these are interplanetary. Okay. Wow. So can you can you back up just a second? Do you were you how were you um, connected to Project Sign? How did you find out about it? Was oh, it well, Project Sign's were... been known about it. I, uh, the uh, uh, the book report on. Unidentified objects describes Project Sign and everything. It doesn't. Okay. It, 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 it's it's very. It skims over it. It doesn't have many of the personalities or anything like that. Now what? So you didn't what know me any and of my, what, what I what what my colleagues and I have done have investigated some of these people, and when we started investigating, some of them were still alive, and we could talk to them, right? Or we could talk to their kids. Uh, we could talk to some of their colleagues. Um, the guy who is the his, uh, like the historian of uh, of T uh, two or intelligence at AMC, he's still alive, 
some of the people that were there, and he could, you know, describe their habits and full beliefs and, uh, you know, what their official uh, positions were and things like that. So we, we've talked to people like this. And we, uh, but Project Sign is uh, fairly well known because there's um, <clears throat> Air Force correspondence and the records of Project Sign, as far as its investigations go, are available. So these are these are documents that you've gotten that that we could read or that you've yeah, read. They, yeah, they, and they, done they, they've already on. known. So that's a good, good connection. So they, they're already known. But what I'm talking about now is finding more documents, and this is that's why I say I'm a plotter because I just you know, okay, I. Uh, uh, people can request things under the FOIA, or they can, you know, just write to the archives and say, "Do you have this?" Maybe it's unclassified, and they'll send it out. Okay. But, uh, okay. If they're asked, but it's security difficult. To, it's difficult to find every document because sometimes, you know, it's in with a whole bunch of other documents. One thing, it's like it's like uh, panning for gold. You, you're, you're looking for a nugget. Needle in a haystack. Yeah, so that's why I say my method is turning over one page after another. Okay. Okay. Um, so so they, they, this this document that says they're interplanetary, we don't have it. The Air Force denies it. But they denied the twining letter, too, for 10 years. I was able to find copies of the twining letter in four different places. Four different places. So it was no problem for them to to find it and say we have it. They just denied that it ever existed until 1966. Hmm. So for almost a yes. Yeah. So, Jan. Um, so here's what here's the next piece that you've covered is is that even if we know a document exists and we ask for it, if we don't ask for it in the right way or in the right grouping, we might never see it. So getting information becomes a complex process. Right. And and so you spent time actually looking with the documents, and. It's so different when it's just paper and it's just files. There were so many mistakes that were made. It was an entirely different process. You had to actually sit down. And like you said, you turned over a page and there was a note on the back of it. And when you looked at it, it gave you more information. So, yeah. so it, it's very, very different what you were involved in. And how how is it exactly that you got the opportunity to actually um, to actually go into areas and sit down and go through these files? Well, I just found where the things were. Okay. So uh, I've been to the Navy Naval War College. Okay. Which was very uh, there was a lot of material there. Okay. I've been to the uh, uh, Air Force Historical Research Agency in um, at Maxwell Air Force Base uh, in Alabama, 
I've been to the uh, 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 Army Historical Institute in uh, Carlisle Barracks, uh, and I've been to some other minor uh, archives, uh, and uh, of course the National Archives in Washington D.C. and uh, College Park, Maryland, the Library of Congress. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, uh, when I went to uh, St. Louis to the uh, uh, record center there, they denied me seeing anything. <laughs> okay, Matthew, would you like to ask a question about any of those sources that he just listed to us? Um, well, I want to ask a question sort of at the, at the end of the story, more like overarching. Um, so I can, I can hold off on it or I can ask it right now. Oh, go, 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 go. I am. I'm so curious. I'm so curious. <laughs> why, why do you think there is sort of a motivation to subvert this information and what would happen in your opinion, Jan, if it was declassified and validated in a in a way that the public accepted. Yeah, the, the, yeah. Um, I think that uh, uh, one at this late date, I think there's a lot of of people that just don't uh, know what happened in the early days and. They, they just figure, hey, this is embarrassing for for our historic uh, colleagues in you know in the in the history, and maybe this shouldn't come out. Um, maybe they're really hiding something that's uh, more than embarrassing. It's uh, uh, it will cause it'll cause us big trouble if it comes out. Um, I, I don't know why uh, why they're making it difficult. Uh, a lot of the difficulty is there's, I mean, there are there is so few UFO documents compared to all the documents that the government generates, and they're kind of like um, uh, the one of the archivists said, "Hey, listen, there's a lot of UFO things here." Some of them are in files that say flying discs, and you have those. But there are other documents in other files that have to do with this subject. So, uh, but he, he says, I don't have the I don't have the staff to go and find that for you. You're going to have to find that yourself. And most people don't want to go to the archives and spend two weeks or a month or a year there looking for this stuff. They just want to read a, a, a sensationalized book that uh, that tells them the history. And they're not really interested in the history. They're interested in what's going on yesterday. Right. Are, are these documents, are they only in a paper form, or have they been digitized? Some of them have digitized, but that's only recently. And uh, or some of it have been on microfilm or microfiche. Some of this paper and microfilm. 
yeah, so and, and have not been digitized. So, yeah, well, the Library of Congress and the archives promises, you know, there didn't need to be any other um, facility like theirs, you know, uh, by by now. That everything would have been uh, online, and you could just get it, and all other libraries would be obsolete. So that didn't happen. It's not going to happen. It's more okay. than it's more than anybody can do. Um, so we wrote a book. I I could see how that I could see that how that would be. Yeah, yeah. I, I need think to. It, when computers first started, everybody got a personal computer. Uh, there were people that made a lot of uh, screwball predictions and the government was part of that too. Okay, for instance. Well, it's just a it's just a challenge to, you know, digitize all that material. It's still labor. It still re- requires a lot of hand labor to do something like that. Right. And and uh even now stuff 70 years back, 60 years back, 50 years back is just now coming available. And before it becomes available to the public, it becomes available to the archives. The archives is, is working on it. What they're trying to do is index it so people can find it. But it's a difficult job. takes a while. So even even things, you know, uh, back to the Second World War, you, you can't necessarily find it yet. Now, what we've... Uh, what uh, several of us did, we wrote a book called UFOs in Government. Um, Michael Swords and Robert Powell are the primary authors. I'm one of the uh, secondary guys. Uh, there's a, a fellow from Sweden, one from Spain, one from Australia. Uh, and... Uh, what do you what do you think of three other people from 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 the U.S. This is uh this is about a 500 page book. Uh, and the uh, uh, the organization that uh, uh, recommends uh, books for academic libraries has recommended this book for college. And university libraries, so it's it's now in a number of institutions in the United States and and overseas in their libraries, and it, it's actually an academic study of the history of, UFO, of of UFOs as far as the government goes. It's called UFOs and Government. It's not only our government though. There's sections in there about the Swedish government, Spanish, Australian. Uh, French, uh, uh, a little bit about Belgium, a little bit about Brazil. So it's not, but basically it's about our government and what we found so far. Yeah. And it's, there were two uh, parts to my question. Do you remember the second part? The second part was what do you think would happen if we knew? 
I don't know. You know, people keep saying, oh, everybody will panic. Uh, it'll be a shock to religion. I, I'm not sure I buy that. I think, you know, I think most people in this culture have seen enough science fiction, so, you know, if you suddenly say it's true, I don't think it's going to be, if there is such a thing as, you know, uh, extraterrestrial spaceships, that would be, uh, I don't think that would be so much of a shock. I think a lot of people believe that's it's it's possible, but you know they we're preconditioned for it. Almost, yes, it almost because of so, everything we've seen. Yeah, so it's it's almost like that. Now, if it turns out to be something else, it might be a surprise. Okay, uh, so, so I don't think it's, I don't think it's the Russians. I'm sorry. Right, <laughs> it's a it's a great it's a great question, Jan. And the 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 best part of it is is that. Um, so it's how I don't think it's the question of how people would react. I think the bigger question is is how could it be handled in such a way that people could understand that it has value because there is value in any sort of information or any sort of knowledge. The stuff that we have been told that's negative, of course, is that we as a a society or a planet would you know lo- no longer exist which, you know, is really not what the question is that we're asking here. We're asking what would happen, and my thought immediately went to, well, how is that information handled in such a way as to not challenge people? And perhaps that is part of the question and the greater question. Mm. So any insight on that, any of your own internal thought process on that, any sort of personal opinions? Well, every superior uh, civilization that we're familiar with that co- contacted an inferior civilization <laughs> usually <laughs> destroys it or dominates it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, I mean, you know, I, the Vikings, I think, were better warriors than uh, than the Native Americans, but there were just too few of them, so they didn't make much of an impression. But when Columbus started, after after his uh, discovery, and that was an age of discovery, and they um, a, a lot of uh, uh, civilizations were not powerful enough to resist the Europeans. I mean, some of them were. The, uh, right. The, the Ethiopians, they, 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 they were able to remain independent all their, uh, all their existence. Mm-hmm. So, um, so, uh, so, so the, uh, but, but, but India was conquered and, uh, you know they did a they did a job on China while they didn't uh, perhaps conquer it. They they made it subservient. Mm-hmm. Uh, Japan was able to resist, but those those are just a few. Right. So right. The, okay. uh, um, and you know it, the the you don't have to conquer somebody. You can dominate them by other means too economics and things like that I mean the opening of Japan they didn't want anything to do with foreigners 
Well, Prairie went over there and, and ended that. <laughs> yeah, well, that that that's an interesting. That's that's a whole I, different story. Matt, you have a question for us, huh? Well, I, I my question is not a question. It's a comment, but I do hope that there is there 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 are uh, other planetary life forms out there. I believe that that is certainly true. I don't know that they have made it here because of the vast distances between, but if they have, I tend to believe that they would have already shown up and done us in had they wanted to. And they are indeed waiting for us to evolve our consciousness to a point where, where they will reveal themselves to us when we're ready. And when, when we have shown that we are not going to kill each other and take over each other every time we run into new people. Um, and then once we can do that, and I believe that we're on our path, a, a good path to do that. But once we get to that place, um, then more will be revealed to us about their technology and how it works and how to do interplanetary stuff. But right now we're in a place where we're transitioning towards that, that world where we can basically get along with each other. Interesting. Um, Jan, what a, what a great conversation and what a great education. Tell me what's the one thing that you personally would like us to know about your experience, your education, how you've collected the information. You call yourself a plotter. What's what's the one thing that you think is something for us to know, to remember, and to really stay focused on? What is the primary thought that we should stay with in this process of understanding your work as a as a researcher? Well, I think the thing is to to understand that Nobody has even an idea about what's going on with these things. Mm-hmm. No one. I don't. I'm. I'm as puzzled. I'm puzzled. I think the government is puzzled, and I don't think they have superior data. I think they have better data than you know all, all these people running around, uh, you know, uh, speculating on everything that happens. I believe there's something to them. And uh, I believe there's uh, there's ways to find out more about them, but I don't think it's been done yet. Okay. And so I, what I'm doing is I'm trying to walk around and pick up on the beach and pick up a pretty rock. Mm-hmm. That's 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 my thing. And the other thing is I am trying to preserve what I. Uh, Others and myself have found to date because so many of these things just end up going away if they're ephemeral. I mean, mm-hmm. people collect, like I told you about the, yesterday, the, the guy had, had two barns to store all the material he had collected. And, of course, the, uh, he had a, they were exposed to the elements, and so... Two barns full of stuff uh, ended up being two filing cabinet drawers. 
Mm. That's tragic. So that's that's the two things I say. I'm looking for uh, a, a piece of knowledge that I can find and trying to uh, preserve uh, what I what what's been collected by uh, others and myself. Okay, so we've got two problems with keeping that information. First of all, I guess the government has more information because they have more resources to store it. Right. But in the other pieces of information that individuals worked on, there were two hazards. One was uh, in a, incorrectly stored information, and then the other one was the angry wife. And the angry wife uh, <laughs> sounds just as destructive as the, the poor weather conditions. So... Um, <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. And it's not just Both it's not just that. Nature. You just you know, people get tired of this. They've done it for for ten, fifteen years and they've spent a lot of money maybe if they if they've actually uh done some investigations and they're tired of it and they feel like they haven't gone you know, they haven't solved the problem. Right. Uh they maybe contributed to the solution but Nobody knows yet. So some people just take all their stuff and throw it away. <laughs> so it's, you know, it's uh, uh-huh. uh, spend a lot of money and a lot of time and then, you know, just uh, get disgusted with the whole thing and, and chuck it. Huh. Um, um, and, you know, you don't even need an angry wife. Sometimes it's just angry relatives. They, um <laughs> Uh, my friend Dave Clark in in England and some of his colleagues, they went to uh, to, to one guy's uh, home that had passed away, and uh, uh, the relatives showed him uh, uh, the remains of a bonfire that they had had with his UFO stuff. Oh gosh! Yeah. Oh no! Oh and that, no! That is a lifetime of his. His collection, collecting, and everything. Oh no! Yeah, so was it like an intervention? <laughs> no, he was. It wasn't dead. an intervention. He was dead, and they just destroyed all his work. It's like a bunch of barbarians, yeah. vandals. Yeah. 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 Uh-huh. Um, I mean, because I think it's you know I, I I think there's something in the subject. They didn't think anything was in the subject. They thought it was a waste of his time, so they just uh, burned it. I have to say, there's a, there's some and stories of vengeance in here. Yeah. 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 So, huh? Well, um, that's not right. Jan, Jan, it's so um, it's it's sort of it sort of explains itself because that is kind of a you know, reoccurring sort of topic. These people come in and destroy it, but um, these people become consumed with it. So I, I find it interesting that you were able to take and work on this project as a government employee, um, retire, take up another profession, and then just become an expert in this area and publish your own works. So you sound like you had sort of a balanced life, or am I imagining things here? Tell well, me, I, yeah, you know, I, I guess people would call me obsessed. Okay. To 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 say the least. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and <clears throat> most say academics 
would say, you've wasted your life. No. Really? You've wasted your life because there's nothing to this subject. In fact, some huh. you know, if you, uh, some academics say this is a threat to Western civilization. They've said that. Huh. This stuff should, you know, it, it's like the... Uh, it's 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 like the uh, Inquisition in in the Middle Ages. You know this this stuff must be destroyed. Hmm. You know, uh, a more women. Books well, what about things like for that. you? Like you you say you say some people would describe you as obsessed. So how would you describe yourself? And what sort of drives you? What what draws you toward this subject matter? <clears throat> Well, I want to know what what's at the end of the rainbow. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. You want you want your Roswell. You want no, I don't your, want Roswell. I don't believe that Roswell is uh, is relevant. I believe it's really? it's a it's an attempt to make money. And uh, oh, NASA said NASA said show us show us some fragments or something uh we can put our hands on and we'll we'll be interested all of a sudden roswell became the focus of ufology it's the keystone of american ufology do real ufo experts think like oh come on roswell what no they don't well some of them are starting to get that way i mean you know they're 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 And and a lot of them have the idea. Okay, the government's hiding everything. The government's hiding everything. Uh, yeah, I think the government has more and better data, but mostly it's not yeah. recognized if it's significant, or if it is recognized as significant, it's not that much better. I kind of am in, on the same page with you when it comes to these sort of conspiracy ideas. You know, yeah. a lot of people are like, "Oh, the government's hiding stuff." I've been, you know, I've worked in some pretty significantly large organizations. And what I've noticed is like the biggest conspiracy that's happening is that none of us know what, what's going on, really. It's like organized chaos. Yeah. Like it's really, we don't have a very good handle on much of it. And it's sort of like the big conspiracy is that there is no conspiracy. Yeah. The, uh, um, I like this one story. Uh, uh, the uh, uh, air attaché to Brazil okay. uh, went to, uh, and the Brazilians had some rather fantastic sightings. And so uh, he was he was there, and he asked if he could see uh, things that they they collected. And then he's writing a report back to back to the Pentagon, and he says he, he he describes some of the incidents, and then he says, and I've looked at this stuff, and they have stuff going back to the 19th century that they've collected, and he says, I always thought this subject was hogwash. He said, I don't think so now after seeing this collection. Okay. So, huh. so that to me is um, interesting. Now, I uh, I think we have better stuff in in our uh, you know they, they they've released all the uh, the UFO uh, Project Blue Book case files. 
or they say they have, let's put it that way. I, I know that there's a lot of them that are missing or things that never reached Blue Book. I, I can okay. demonstrate that. But, okay, do uh, it. Do it. Do it. It's good. It's good. Do it. Yeah, so so, uh, so I can demonstrate that there's there's times when, you know, the uh, – in the newspaper, the the uh, the on-scene investigator is identified probably with a picture standing next to the witness, <laughs> and that case didn't make it into Project Blue Book. Okay. So is it hung up somewhere in the bureaucracy, or is are they is is there something that's uh... no? I, I've got better than that. The uh, huh. every significant. Uh, Intelligence report that the Air Force gets, they make a an index card. They they okay. assign the intelligence report a, a serial number and they make an index card about it. And so I I've I've been able to get some of these index cards from the National Archives. So I've got eight hundred of these things, and then you try to. Uh, find them in Project Blue Book, and a significant number cannot be found. So where are they? What happened to them? Destroyed. Yeah, destroyed, or somebody else has got them. Uh, anyways, the, the the thing is, they have a, a uh, master file uh, of, uh, of all the uh, intelligence reports that they ever got at the Pentagon. So if you if you know the uh, if you know the uh, serial number, you can you can uh, you could theoretically ask for that report. I don't know anybody that has. Okay. I know okay, somebody that a... was invited to come down there. I mean, um, my colleague who is no longer here, uh, Robert Todd. They got so tired of him putting in FOIA requests for 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 documents. They, they said, "Why don't you just come down here? We'll let you use our index." Of course, the index probably is now on is now computerized. But I've got I've got earlier things. So I've got I've got 1,100 um, intelligence reports I'd like to look at. And I've identified about uh, somewhere around 800, not just from the index cards, but from other sources, you know, uh, references and other documents. So we don't have that document. So that's that's one of the things I'm, I'd like to. So you could say, where you know, where are they? And so they just invited him to come down, but he couldn't because his, you know, he he's the sole care of his mother at the time. Um, Jan, we're out of time. Matt, it's been wonderful having you. Matthew Harnick of California, Richie Rich, Thank and you. this is Suzanne Wyman, uh, who is uh, doing a pretty good job of co-hosting. I love her voice. And so, Aww. Jan, what do you think? Uh, you think you've got enough information to come back and share with a lot of the newbies for 2020? Because we still don't have any people paying us dues yet, but we're working on it. <laughs> Suzanne, uh, we got MUFON. I paid my MUFON dues, everybody's, for their archives so I can get theirs. But uh, Jan, Jan and I don't have time to do us a, 
uh, article thing, but we've got websites. So his is project1947.com for anybody interested. And all my groups, uh, because we haven't been organized and paying in dues, we've all been open source Facebook groups. I've got to get us some way to help us in the future because they're starting to charge me different money, you know, for my SSL certificates, 80 bucks a piece for each year and all our groups and in our archives and our databases. So uh, I'm paying for all this. So folks, if you want to help us, let us know because uh, we're going to be doing this at least Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And I, I pay for seven days a week right here on Blog Talk Radio, and you can do it too. But if you'd like to join us, uh, I'm I'm getting people to try to help us all archive. And uh, Jan's been very, uh, I guess he's living living UFO Association, and uh, I did that last night. So, Jan, you think you'd like to maybe uh, want me to call you again uh, next Friday night on UFO night? Sure, if you want to, yeah, that'd, that'd be fine. Jan, what a All great right. story. What great insight and what a great guiding sort of concept to help us understand so many levels of the complexities. I mean, this is a story within a story within a story within a story. And as I listen to you, the more I grasp some of the obstacles. And your story is amazing. It's so enjoyable. Thank you so much. Well, thank you. I, I, had a really I just good want time to see your comment exactly. Thank you your story as well, Jan. <laughs> thank you. Okay, thank you. And he, All right. And he does railroads, too. Uh, what was the other thing you were telling me, Jan, if you could help us with Ace Folk Life? Wasn't it railroads or something oh, that you were into? Oh, I, I'm, I'm interested in, in canals and railroads, but that's uh, uh, that's never going to that's never gonna amount to anything. Can't get the research in, huh? Yeah. <laughs> well, we'll keep doing oral reports on what you are willing to uh, sacrifice your time. And, folks, this is really, really deep. And we've got a lot of people like Jan out there. Uh, and he, he can help you understand how it is to be a historian or real researcher of UFOs and that there really is business out there. And my husband got to see a piece of the Roswell crash uh UFO and you know he died on his deathbed with me verifying all that and uh, he, excuse me he and I worked under the Ronald Reagan era and uh, George Bush and I was Navy and he was Army but you know just because we're all in the military doesn't mean we all know exactly the same thing but Jan knows I worked in a vault he worked in a vault we understand clearance levels and things that a lot of other people don't but my husband actually put hands on uh, and shot big things <laughs> from tanks at this equipment, at this equipment. He worked with equipment underground. So these are stories that will come out sooner or later. So if you want to look at some of the stories, there's a little piece of the truth in it. Well, some of the truth is out there because he's dead now. So some of his truth is in the books. Uh, you can look up books by Teresa J. Morris. But look up the Roswell Encounters book. There's a little bit of truth in there that feeds off of the Corso, Strom Thurmond and Philip Corso, and then uh, what I knew about how I got into it from 67 forward. But right now I'm working with Jan because he's got so much uh, intel and data on uh, hard copies, and I was a hard copy having to microfish too. So <laughs> I really feel for what he's doing, folks, and – 
So let's keep uh, helping Jan, and let's uh, let's all volunteer. Uh, Jan and I pay our dues on MUFON. Please go to MUFON.com if you see something in the sky, and you can copy it and report it. And we have uh, George Filer with George Filer Files, and uh, Stan Friedman has now passed, and J. Allen Hynek's passed. But uh, J. Allen Hynek asked me to keep it on, but I didn't know he was dying. Uh, he didn't say he was dying, but uh, he asked me in the airplane on a, in a jet uh, from uh, where I was at uh, Fort Hood. No, I was at Lowry Air Force Base. So from Lowry Air Force Base. So, all what right. MUFON, what does MUFON stand for? Mutual UFO Network. Okay. Very good. And uh, we're going to try to set up dues for Ace Folk Life or American Communications Online Broadcasting. But, Matt, I didn't catch your profession for and how you got interested in Suzanne. So I come from a whole other level of uh, intelligence work, and uh, I am a, a webmaster, and I work with WordPress and cPanel and uh, GoDaddy as a pro uh, board person since 2003-4, but I did get started in computers before the military asked me to, <laughs> to do computers. I didn't even know what computers were. I didn't even know what Ascension was. I, I didn't know a lot of stuff, but uh, I wound up getting into it. And these stories, uh, Suzanne is helping me start back from when I was a teenager and got recruited from 1967. Oh. But, Matt, what the – uh, I didn't get to hear your part because I was trying to track down data or, or intel to get uh, why got, my computers are sinking. But could you tell me? I, I finally got your name on here. I had to text uh, Suzanne. So you're oh. called the guest tonight, Matthew Harnack, H-A-R-N-A-C-K. Is that correct? Yeah. That's right. He got right. he got cut off, and when he tried to call back in, um, he got the recording saying there's no shows. So he he, oh my he dropped he dropped he dropped out and I guess yeah, it's after it's after eight so I guess it just cut off but um, he worked on Facebook and um, and now he works for another company in another area of video technology so and I want to look it up make sure I say it right when I it's called um, BrightSign he works for BrightSign. And that's a type of um, – it's a new type of technology. I spent some time reading about it, and I, I don't think I really understand it, but uh, apparently it's the way that pictures and videos are going to be done in the future and the recordings of videos. All right. Yeah. Well, Jan Harzan is no, – excuse me, not Jan Harzan. Uh, oh, by the way, uh, MUFON now, we're back again with uh, Captain David McDonald. He goes by Dave or Cap. Uh, there's a long story behind that, but Captain McDonald, uh, for running our, the director, called the executive director, the one in charge, so to speak, because we have several directors of MUFON. But uh, I guess uh, Jan, uh, Suzanne was asking us if we ever had worked together across time, but I was in 80 to 93 on paper, but when were what were you on paper? You were like twice that. When did you go in and when did you get out of the military? Uh, 1967 to 19. 1994. Mm, yeah. Wow. And so we may have crossed paths, but I don't think we were in the same vault. We'd probably remember it. But he, uh, I didn't go to Germany, but I did go to England and Japan. 
and I was in Desert Storm area. And you've got your ribbons were what Vietnam or what? What were your ribbons? No, I was I was just I was four four times in Korea, uh, twice in Germany, and one in Italy. Hmm. Okay. okay, but you served, and we can pull the Desert Storm. You were in the same time I was, so they they gave me uh, besides my good conduct medals, right? And you get a star for every. Four years, isn't it? So, uh, you know, for service. But you surely you 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 can wear the Desert Storm if you were back. No, in I can't. The, I got. I wasn't there. A, uh, you know. Oh. Okay. So well, we were we were, we were we were deactivating when de- when when the whole thing happened. Um, uh, when did you get out of the military? Ninety four. Let's say before. And so yeah, so, yeah. I was already. I was still in Hawaii in '94. So, uh, but anyway, folks, so we could go on forever learning about each other. So <laughs> where we've been and what we've done. But uh, my apologies for the technical uh, problems to Suzanne and Rich and no all the listeners and uh, even uh, and to you because I know Jan, you were there waiting. I don't mean to frustrate you or cause you any stress. I really want to make your life easier and try to help you do oral archives here you know we've got quite a few that they don't know about because they're hearing it for the first time but i invite everybody to go back and look in the archives at blogtalkradio.com it's forward slash tj morris et radio you can call it et for my central tremors or entertainment tonight or extraterrestrial it was meant for et phone home (laughs) but it was given to me that brand was out of canada I was working with UFO Digest and the Toronto uh, Publishing House with uh, Dirk Vanderplug, and now Robert Morningstar has that uh, UFO Digest, and uh, that's a long story because Robert helped. There's a whole story behind everybody that I know. So, folks, uh, join us weekly here, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and we'll return tomorrow for more just spiritual uplifting, enlightenment, and uh, I'd like to invite all of you, but uh, I, I don't know, Jan, you're not into all the uplifting on Sunday, are you? All the flu fluff on Sundays, but you're welcome. No, to I, I don't think that's my my forte. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, we 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 won't get into the critical thinking or neurosurgery, or our critical thinking, but uh, I do love neuroscience and the science festivals. We're doing spiritual science tomorrow, folks, but it's going to be more of uh, Believe It or Not Ministries, which is like prayer, meditation, foo foo woo woo. <laughs> I've heard it called all kind of stuff, but Universal Life Ministries, and uh, you know, just come by and I don't know, see if you like it. A lot of people do. If it suits you, you know, we just love being together. So I missed last Sunday, and uh, it's just you know, show up and uh, we'll give you time on the mic. So love and light, everybody. We'll be back tomorrow, love and light. same time, right. same station. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. We'll see you you tomorrow. I'll fix it. Okay. Thank you so much. You did great, Suzanne and Rich. Oh, thank thank you. (laughs) While Rich was probably painting. Okay, (laughs) love slide, everybody. Okay, bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye.